Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Not finished. Everybody say he's not finished. Not finish. Turn to Second Corinthians chapter number six. And for those of you who have uh, not been here last Sunday morning or Sunday night, I started. Now this is really going to scare some people that's never been here before. But I started a, a sermon last Sunday morning. I've not finished it yet. And so, if you'll stand for the reading of the word, and we might have to turn that fan off. It's going to give me fits with paper here today, and my Bible. I know that's going to. Some of you going to move toward the back and turn that fan on now. Uh, Brother Pat but uh, going to 2nd Corinthians chapter number 6 2nd Corinthians chapter number 6 and we'll read a few our verses of scripture that we have read and so I apologize to anybody that may have not been here Sunday morning and Sunday night uh, because you're getting in on the middle of a conversation here and uh, we're going to try to go though from here and uh, hopefully we can land the plane today we can land the plane today I'm hopeful uh, this morning 2nd Corinthians chapter number 6 starting with verse Uh, number 14 this morning the Bible says be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness and what communion hath light with darkness and what concord hath Christ with Belial or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you and will be a father unto you. And ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Continuing to chapter 7, verse 1, the Bible says, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God, in the fear of God. If you again join me let's bow our heads let's pray let's ask God to touch our hearts and minds again today father Lord I come to you today I'm asking Lord Jesus for your anointing God in this place and upon this service I pray oh Lord that we have come Lord to this same passage of scripture now for the past three services that we have held here and I'm asking God that same spirit that met us the first time and the second time will meet us here yet again today this third time help us Lord today God to lean in to your word open our minds and our hearts and understanding God that we can receive Lord today from heaven God what you would have what you would desire and what you would want I pray oh Lord speak into our lives let it be instruction let it be Lord Jesus a notification Lord for our spirits and take it as such in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray amen and amen everyone say amen amen Amen. you may be seated again this morning and uh, I, I cannot really go all the way back to the beginning and recap because I would spend 15 minutes on recapping. But I'll try to delve a little bit in just last time, last Sunday night, 
some of the things that we were going over last Sunday night. And uh, my subject matter is operation still, operation separation. Operation separation. We have learned over the past several services that separation is not a dirty word. That it is uh, this idea of separation, sanctification, meaning to be set apart, different, unique, special. Uh, even the word holiness is thrown into all of that. This is not a dirty word. We're separated or holy or set apart because the Lord is holy and separated and set apart from any other God. There is no other God like Him and therefore we follow in that same vein with Him. What we came to realize through last Sunday night a little bit, we did a little of the comparisons between light and darkness. We did a little bit of the comparison between uh, uh, also righteousness and unrighteousness and how that there is no agreement or concord or there is uh, no yoking together of these like similar things. As a matter of fact, if we were to go on today and we were to look at uh, the scripture asked the question that he knew what the answer was going to be whenever he said in verse 16, what agreement have the temple of God with idols and that there, there is no agreement between the two. When thinking upon this, my mind goes real quickly to a story that I believe illustrates this in Scripture. Uh, back in the Old Testament Scripture in uh, 1 Samuel, I believe it is number 5, the Bible relates the story even in 1 Samuel number 4 of how the Philistines and the Israelites were at war again. And they brought the Ark of the Covenant out to the battle and to the war. And there was a lot of clamor and excitement and cheering and jeering among the Israelites because the Ark of the Covenant was out there now. And surely they were uh, going to have this upper hand. But the Bible says when the days ended that the Philistines had taken away the Ark of God and uh, that uh, Phineas. Uh, had had passed and that we understand also then Eli when he heard news of the ark of God being taken had passed away and they took the ark of God the Philistines did they took it uh, to a place called Ashdod and they took it the ark of God which was a symbol or a very representation of the spirit of God God himself and they took that ark of God and they set it in the house of Dagon a pagan god a god that was uh, part person and part fish Dagon and so here is the almighty God that's setting into a false temple of a false God. And they're both setting there. And whenever I think of the question, what agreement have they? Well, this is what I deduced then from Old Testament Scripture. That whenever those Philistines went to the temple of Dagon the next morning, they said that Dagon had fallen down on his face before the Ark of the Covenant. And here are these people now helping their God back up on his pedestal. Isn't that interesting? They're the, the God that's supposed to be the Savior, the one to help them and go to bat for them, they're helping him back up and assembling him and putting him back up on the stump. Only for the next day, the Bible says, for them to come to the temple of Dagon again. And here is the Ark of the Covenant. Here is Dagon. What agreement have they? Dagon again has fallen down on his face. Palms of his hands, the Bible says, are dislocated. The only thing that remains, uh, Brother Adikus, is his stump. And they're again helping him back up. There is no agreement. There is no correlation, amen, between the false gods and the God of this world, the God of the heavens, and that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Amen. You put anything in his presence, and the Bible tells us in New Testament scripture concerning Jesus that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. And I think there was some bowing in my own terminology. There was some bowing going on in the Old Testament whenever the Ark of the Covenant was placed there in the idol temple of Dagon. He's fallen on his face because you can't do anything but bow in the presence of the Lord of the universe, the great God Almighty. So there is no agreement. But my, my mind this morning of Sister McGee of going to Ezekiel 22 and verse 26. Ezekiel 22 and verse 26. Right now in the time that Ezekiel is being written is during the time of the scriptures of Jeremiah as well. The nation of Israel had fell somewhat away from God. They had departed from the Lord. They had departed from the precepts and the principles obeying the commandments and the statutes of God. And this is written during this time frame. And the Bible says her priests have violated my law and have profaned, everyone say profaned, profaned my holy things. They have put, look now, they have put no difference between the holy and the profane. Neither had they shewed difference between the unclean and the clean and have hid their eyes from my Sabbaths. And I am profaned among them. There was in this scripture judgment that was coming upon the house of Israel. Amen. Judgment coming particularly upon the city of Jerusalem. Why? Because they had made no difference between what was holy, what was special, and what was profane or what was common. The things that was set apart, consecrated as unto God, they had made no difference in between the two. And so now the Lord's saying, since you did not make a difference, since you did not make a notable separation, that these are not the same. He says, I'm going to come, and I'm going to come with a fierce hand of judgment. Because whenever you don't make a difference between that which is holy and that which is profane, it means that something, listen to me right here, it means that something is going to be used in a way that it was not intended to be used. The Old Testament story that illustrates this is that the Bible speaks of a time that Nebuchadnezzar went to the place of Israel and he took from there uh, some of the holy cups cups of gold and chalices of, of gold and some of the instruments that were used in the temple of God he stole some of these items away and they sat seemingly there for years until a man by the name of Belshazzar came to rule and Belshazzar says I'm going to have me a meal and a festival and I'm going to have the princes and the kings come and sat down and they did and they had this feast and Belshazzar then said hey bring out the holy vessels these were vessels that were made for the temple. Vessels whose intent were for the lips of priests, for a sacred, sacred work, for a sacred place. And he said, you go, you go get all those things. And he poured some of their liquor, if you will, into these holy vessels. And they were now setting in the hands of commoners, of kings and princes, people of perverseness and wickedness. Now it was touching their lips. That is whenever there is not a difference being made 
between the holy and the profane because those holy vessels were never intended to touch the lips of wickedness. Those holy vessels were never intended to touch the lips, if you will, of perverseness. But that's what happens when you never make a difference. That, that, that's what happens when you never make a difference between that which is holy and that which is profane. They're used for what they're not intended to be used. As a kid in our house growing up, as a kid, now I know, you know, as a kid, you're not supposed to get scissors and stuff, but you reach an age where you can. All right, and mom, mom had, I mean, you know, we weren't the richest family on the block, but mom had some scissors. We had, uh, uh, notably, I remember, you know, at least a couple, but what stands out in my mind, mom had scissors that she used in her sewing that she cut fabric with. Sister Craig, those were her sewing scissors. She cut fabric with that. Now, there were other scissors around there, you know, they look like they've been through, they had a hard life. <laughs> you know, rather than having that straight edge, you know, along that scissor, you know, there's a few divots and dents and, you know, almost looks like a key. It's just so jagged. Because, you know, the kids have got a hold of those and, man, we cut anything. We pruned trees with them, cut open tin cans, you name it. We did it. Cut rocks if we, we try. And I, I, I will not forget at times... You know, not being able to find the multi-purpose scissors. And somehow sneaking in where mom's sewing box was and opening up that little uh, yellowish-orange chest. That she, she still has it. I'm surprised. Opens up that chest and open it up and see. You know, it's almost like opening it up and the little rays of just go from... We're in the presence of holiness right here. And, and we just open that up and, man, there they are. It's like, you know... <laughs> It's like one of the swords of the knights of the round table. It's Excalibur. I don't know what it is, but I just pick those things up and you try to tuck them away. And I'm going to go outside and I'm going to cut trees and I'm going to cut frog legs off. And I, I mean, I'm going to do a little bit of everything. And lo and behold, mom would catch me and say, son, don't you know those are my special scissors? Those are my son. You're not supposed to take those outside. What was mom saying? Hey, there's, I know they're both scissors, but there's a big difference between these scissors and those scissors. You can't just use these scissors for anything. These scissors just can't go anywhere. These scissors just can't come in contact just with anything. These are holy. These are set aside. These are special. I've put a difference, made a difference. There's some separation here. And for you to use them for any other purpose but sewing, you're misusing them. Oh, someone say glory. Ladies and gentlemen, he told us, know ye not that ye are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You are not your own. You belong to God. And to use your body, your mind, your speech, your personality for anything different is largely a misuse. That's not making a difference. If you do whatever you want to do, go wherever you want to do, say whatever you want to say, act however you want to act. You're not your own. And that day, he says, I'm coming with a hand of judgment because they didn't make a difference. The original intent of their beginning and origin was that they were set apart. He said, but they've blurred the line. They're not making a difference. Someone say amen. I'm probably going to go all over the place today, but just help me. The word profane 
Not a word we use a lot anymore. Unless someone's going to talk about profanity. Not really a word we use a bunch. Profane. Profane comes from a Latin word. Profanus. The word or suffix, prefix, rather pro, meaning before or against or away from. Phantom meaning temple. Profane meant then literally against the temple or away from the temple amen he said we got to make a difference between that which is holy and that which is profane that which is holy and that which is against the temple or away from the temple and when we speak of temple it is not just a physical building that was established there in the Bible but as I've spoke to you already today it embodies everything that takes place there the true worship of God that should happen there the people there the behaviors there Sister McGee if you could get me if you will 2 Corinthians chapter number 3 verse number 16 since I spoke some of it I'd rather read it to you and you're going to have to bear with her today because I got stuff all it's, she's connecting the dots she's going to see what the picture is when it's done 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 16 know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwelleth in you verse 17 and if any man defile the temple of God him shall God destroy for the temple of God is what? it's holy set apart, separate, sanctified, distinct, unique which temple ye are Amen. So to be profane is to do something against or away from the temple. Even these mortal bodies that we have that a perfect spirit, if you've been born again of the water and the spirit, dwells inside of. Jeremiah 51 and 6. Notice now, in our main scripture setting, after he had went through these questions, posing them back and forth, the apostle Paul then emphatically states in verse 17, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate. We see this separation, this coming out, this call to come out, again and again throughout scripture. I'd like to point our attention to Jeremiah 51 and 6. This is a prophecy against Babylon, God's people, amen, being in that vicinity. He's wanting them to get out of there. Look at the word of the Lord. He says, flee out of the midst, the midst of Babylon, and deliver every man his soul. Be not cut off in her iniquity, for this is the time of the Lord's vengeance. He will render unto her a Recompense. In other words, the word was basically this. If you want to deliver your soul, or let me state it like this, if you want to save your life, he said, then get out of the middle of Babylon. Separate yourself from Babylon. Babylon in Scripture was an enemy of the Lord. We see even the spirit of Babylon all the way in the book of Revelation and the judgment that shall fall there. Babylon in Scripture is going to be speaking of a world to come, of a worldwide government, a worldwide trade, worldwide entertainment, if you will. Babylon just wasn't a literal city, but it was a representation of a symbol of everything that was perverse in the spiritual realm. And so he's saying, get out, flee out of the midst of her. Get away from her. Separate yourself from 
her because judgment is coming. Look at verse 45 of this same chapter. The Bible says, look what God says. He says, my people. Everybody say, my people. There's a difference there. There's a difference there. He's not just saying a people. He's saying my people. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And the people that are his, New Testament says, he says, are the people upon whom his name is called. My people. He says, go ye out of the midst of her. What he's speaking of, Babylon again. He's reiterating. He says, I need my people. In other words, I need to make a difference here between the holy and the profane. He says, you gotta separate yourself. Go ye out. That was the call from the very beginning even until the time in which we live now is to come out. God oft times urged his people to come out. He spoke to Abraham while he was still Abram and said, Abram, you need to come out from among your family and your kindred. Get out of Ur of Chaldees because Abraham was a part of a family that served pagan gods. His father, Terah, they served pagan gods. And he says, Abraham, I need you to come out of that. What's he saying? Separate yourself from that. Amen. The word of the Lord came to Lot. Lot's in the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. Wickedness and perversion. And by, by virtue of two angels that came to Lot, the Lord spoke to him and said, Lot, flee from Sodom and Gomorrah. You need to get away from this. You need to separate yourself from this. We need to make a difference right here. Noah, listen now, Noah receiving instructions about building the ark of God. He's told in so many words to come out. In other words, get into the ark, Noah, and leave the society that don't want to come. They're just not going to come, but you're going to have to get in the ark. You've got to separate yourself. You've got to be, there's going to be those outside the ark, and there's going to be those in the ark. But Noah, you got to get inside the ark. You've got to separate. Somebody hear me right now. In the wilderness wanderings, as they wandered their 40 years through the wilderness, God had spoke to Moses. Moses, leave the dwellings of the wicked. What's he saying? Come out. Get out of that. And Isaiah then also echoes Jeremiah whenever he spoke into that time frame and said, go forth from Babylon and flee. Run for your life. Do whatever you got to do in order to get away from that horrible, wicked place. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, on this earth, we are not residents. We are at best pilgrim and strangers. The apostle Paul even spoke in New Testament scripture of himself. He said, I am a citizen of no mean city. In other words, I don't have no citizens among anybody down here. My citizenship is somewhere else. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 13, Amen. Hebrews 11 verse 13. The Bible says these all. And this is the great hallmark of faith chapter. Hebrews 11. As a matter of fact, I, I was pondering about this morning. I thought about how these past services have been a Hebrews 11 chapter. Because they start naming all these names and start portraying great people of faith. And toward the end, he basically says, I don't have any more time to tell you. I tell you about Barak and I tell you about Samson. I feel like I'm going to get to that place. I don't have any more time, but I'm going to tell you about and just... Drop a few names for you to look up yourself. Amen. <laughs> but Hebrews 11, the Bible says they all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them, confessed that they were, look now, strangers, pilgrims on the earth. 
For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. In other words, they're saying, you know, as the old songs say, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. <laughs> yeah. He says people that say this world is not their home, then they're seeking a country. Mm-hmm. While a good portion of lives on the earth, life consists of the things that they possess. And look, he told us that life does not, a man's life does not consist of the things in which he possesses. Because he's saying this old world is not my home. And if he says that, then he's looking for a country. And verse 15 tells us this is important for us today. We're talking about operation separation still. And truly... If they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out. If they had been mindful of the country from whence they came out. They might have had opportunity to have returned. They had all came out of somewhere. If we're talking about Old Testament deliverance from Egypt or, or such and things like that. They all came from somewhere. But the Bible says, had they been mindful of that. Whenever you're mindful of something, you're considerate. You know, the person, you know, they have their groceries and they're not bagged real good. They should have been double bagged and the bottoms fall out. And so you go over and you help pick up those things and get some. What You're being mindful of them. You're being considerate because your actions display that. You're, you're, you're mindful. If you're mindful of the country that you came from, hear me now. If you're mindful of the country that you came from, then rest assured that opportunity will provide itself for you to go back. No, someone hear me right now. If you look with a longing eye where you came from, there will be an opportunity arise. Mm -hmm. There will be an opportunity arise for you to find your footsteps back to the country from which you came from. Opportunity presents itself because you're considerate of it. But we got to get to a place, he said, if they had been mindful. But evidently these were people that said, no, I'm seeking a country. I'm not trying to be mindful or considerate from where I came from, but I'm trying to be mindful and considerate of where I am going. And as a result of that, I'm not worried about the food I had there, the living I had there, and everything that was provided for there. I'm looking for a country whose builder and maker is God. Let me say something. People that find opportunity after opportunity to go back to the land that they came from might be due because they're mindful of that place. Consider it, if you will, of that place. The Bible, when we look at this idea of separation, got to keep hitting the drum today this idea of separation and, and again it's gotten a bad rap it's gotten a bad rap for whatever reason even where we speak the word holiness bad rap that's separation holiness is separation the Bible even when speaking of holiness 
most times, and you see a company together, he talks about the beauty of holiness. Beauty of holiness. Or the beauty, if you will, of separatedness. The beauty of separatedness. Here's what I believe causes there to be a tainted view or this repulsive view whenever we talk about separatedness, holiness, sanctification, whatever you want. What I believe causes this repulsive feeling toward it is this. Is that whenever we talk about it, solely many times people concentrate more on the side of what they're separated from rather than what they are separated unto. Yes, in verse 17 of our scripture text, it is, come out from among them and be ye separate. Touch not the unclean. But what I'm separated unto in that same verse is that he will receive me. Uh Uh-huh. He will be a father unto me. I'll be a son and a daughter unto him. So while I'm looking, people have tunnel vision sometimes. They look totally at the separated from rather than what we're separated unto. Sister McGee, if you got for me Leviticus 20 and verse 26, I know I sent that to you late, but look at the scripture. And it says, And ye shall be holy unto me, for I, the Lord, am holy, and have severed you from other people, that you should be mine. We concentrate on the severing. But he says, I've taken you from that so I could take you unto me. You understand that? Because a lot of times with holiness and separation, everybody's talking about, man, what we've been pulled from. But you've been pulled from so you could be pulled close to Him. In Deuteronomy 6.23, whenever they came out of Egypt, there was the constant call. Come out of Egypt. Get out of Egypt. Flee from Egypt. All right, that's on everybody's mind. We've got to get out of here. Flee from Egypt. Get away from, from, from this slavery and this bondage and get away from all this stuff. But this scripture ties it all up in verse 23. He said, he brought us out. Not just to leave us in a state of being brought out, but he brought us out to bring us in. And where I find people having problems with their separatedness, supposed, is that they separate from and never separate unto. And as long as they just separate from, they leave themselves, listen now, in a place of isolation. And God never called us to isolation. He called us to separation. And true separation is being separated from so you can be separated unto. Amen. So my understanding is there's a lot of frustration because people try to separate from and never go ahead and separate unto. Abstain from, but never gravitate to anything after that. And so there's a lot of frustration. Right there smack dab in the middle. Because in doing so, you've put yourself in a place of Isolation. And that wasn't ever the will of God. First Timothy chapter number six. Moving on today. First Timothy chapter number six, but with the same idea right here, just for a moment. He says, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, 
supposing the gain is guiding us from, which, from such withdrawal. I say, here we are, withdrawing. I says, you know, withdrawal from that. He picks back up with the same thought in verse number 11, withdraw from that. But thou, O man of God, flee. Here we go again. Withdraw, flee these things. Watch it now. He didn't stop there. The admonition here in the book of Timothy was just not all about withdrawing and all about fleeing. He did not leave it there. Yes, that needs to be done, but after that, now follow. After righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Yes, you're separating from, fleeing from, withdrawing from some of these things, but not without after having done that, now starting to follow something else. Amen. It's vitally important. And might I say, as we spoke, I don't remember, lines are getting blurred and when I talked about what, I think it was last time that we met on a Sunday night here. We talked about how uh, Paul had told uh, the church at Corinth, which, and I, guys, if, you, if you're just wondering where everything came, go to our podcast, please. Listen to Operation Separation, Operation Separation, Part 2. And that will fill in any blanks you have this morning. But I can't do it in this time frame. Cannot. Be in the third service, that proves that. But he spoke, Paul spoke to the, to the church at Corinth, how, remember, he had espoused them to one husband. Remember that? 2 Corinthians 11, 2, I think. Espoused them to one husband. And with that being said, you know, the, the principle for a healthy marital relationship was established long ago in Genesis. That whenever he spoke of how the leave, I, I always call it the leave and cleave principle. It's the leave and cleave principle. Leave father and mother and so on and so forth and cleave to your wife or cleave to your husband. You don't just leave something behind for the sake of leaving it behind, but you leave it behind for the sake of cleaving to something else. And in this relationship that we have with Christ, the leave and cleave principle in this uh, to be marital relationship is the same. We're not just leaving something to behind just for the sake of leaving it behind, but for the sake then of cleaving to something else. So God never called us to isolation, but to separation. Now listen, the Bible says that Jesus, even the disciples and some of the hierarchy of the rulers, religious rulers of his day, Jesus was largely misunderstood. They said, well, he eateth with publicans and sinners. Ostracized him for doing so. But I think what we need to understand is the motive that Jesus had. Whenever Jesus ate with publicans and sinners, it was not for the purpose of joining them in their sins. Hear me now. He was not a companion of sinners. No. But he was a physician to sinners. So why are you doing this? Well, he said, he said, those that are whole need if not a physician is those that are sick. And these people got some sickness. They got a sin sickness. So it's important this morning. Listen, we're not talking about isolation. Everybody's going to leave today and become a hermit and lock yourself up in your house and put foil over your windows. <laughs> and, hallelujah, we're going to see Jesus someday. No. He told us to go into the world. But I think there's a major difference about going there and being a physician or going there and joining them in their deeds. Amen? If you'll read the story of the prodigal, 
the story of the prodigal in Luke chapter 15. Number one problem with the prodigal is that he went to a far country. Number two problem in Luke 15, 15, look what happened. The prodigal joined himself, the Bible plainly says, to a citizen of that country. He joined himself to a citizen of that country. And it's the joining with the intent of having the same lifestyle as the citizen, the same ways, the same deeds of the citizen that gets ourselves in trouble. If you'll turn with me to John 17, this reiterates again this whole token of being here but still there being a difference made. John 17, the last prayer that the Lord prayed over his disciples before he left this earth in John 17 and verse number 15. And I'm being mindful of your time. He says, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world. Plain and simple. Don't take them out of the world. But thou shouldest keep them from the evil. In other words, they're capable of being in the world and yet not being impacted to the place that they're going to compromise and subvert what their intended use is in my kingdom. And he says, they are not of the world. He says, don't take them out of the world. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Verse number 17, sanctify. What sanctify mean? It means holiness. It means separate, set apart. Separate them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. So the idea is this. We're sent into the world, but we are not of the world there is still yet a distinct difference because he even calls for us to be sanctified or set apart and separate although we are in the world I'll try to close here quickly if I can go just back last week a little bit and Sister McGee you don't have this I closed last week. I got to hurry. I closed last week. If you'll remember talking about Jacob in Genesis 28 that had come to that place, seen the angels ascending and descending on the ladder. And uh, the Bible said he, he, he knew not that the presence of the Lord was here. You remember the story? Genesis 28. And that whenever he awoke, he said, man, this was a dreadful place. I was afraid, but... He said he didn't know that the Spirit of the Lord was there. The Spirit of the Lord's here. He finally confessed and he said, I knew it not. And if you'll remember, J Jacob called that place Bethel, which means the house of God. And then I took you back and said, though, and you can read it right in Genesis 28, before it was ever called Bethel, it was known as Luz, which means a place of separation. And that before it's ever the house of God, it should be a place of separation. That's our origin. That's our place. Well, with that also in mind, now remember, Jacob, Jacob then was at this place and he couldn't believe that God was in separation. You remember this. Couldn't believe that God was in separation, but he was. If you'll look at Judges chapter number 16, this is the story of, of, of uh, Samson. Judges 16 and verse number 20, the Bible says, And she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. 
I brought this to our attention at one other time here that Jacob was in a place where God was and didn't realize it. But Samson was in a place where God was not and didn't realize it. Sister McGee, can you bring my map up here real quickly? Samson is an interesting character to study. Interesting character to study. Samson's real pitfall, he had woman problems. Matter of fact, the first recorded, the first recorded words of Samson in Judges is, I saw a woman. Not only that, the woman that he saw was from that town. I do got a pointer on me here somewhere. Here we go. Here we, I'm feeling so important again. The town that he saw that, that he said, I saw a woman, was first right there at Timnath. Timnath. That's the woman that he's, the first recorded words, he saw a woman, Timnath. You know where Samson born, was born? Over here between Eshtol and Zorah. You see this line right here through this valley called Sherek? That's the border between the Israelites and the Philistines. You see where he's seen his first woman? Huh? Uh-huh. Well, he had woman problems. What we read of in Genesis 16 is the story of him with Delilah. You can read further up in Genesis 16, around verse number 4, it tells where she's from. Delilah's from the valley of Sherek. The border between the Israelites and the Philistines. Watch me now. Samson is down in the valley of Sherek visiting his sweetheart Delilah, laying in her lap. She finally knows where his secret strength lies. The deed is done. He awakes Sister Craig. Look at this. And while he's sitting there on the border between what God has for him and what the world has for him, he said, I can't believe that God isn't here. Mm -hmm. Jacob was in a place of separation and he said, the Lord's here and I can't believe it. Samson was in a place of a line of compromise between the world and the church and he said, I can't believe God's not here. And so goes the mindset of humanity. We have a hard time believing that God is in separation and not in compromise. Amen. I'm closing up. I'm sewing up my last few stitches on the pillow here. Okay. My daughter's laughing at me as though she don't believe me. I heard that, Mariah. 1 Corinthians 7.1. I'm closing. I really am. 1 Corinthians 7.1. And you can go on stand for me because that'll help me. <laughs> okay, that brought a story to mind. This, is, this doesn't really relate, okay? <laughs> but listen to me. This is, it's just that time of year. Years, years ago, 2004, I was preaching a youth camp down in Georgia. First night of youth camp, first time I ever preached their youth camp. And I was down there preaching in Georgia. I may have told this before, I don't know. But I was preaching, son. I mean, I was preaching. Sweat was dropping. They had all these young people out there. The thing was just packed. And all of a sudden, somebody gets over on the keyboard. And you know what I thought? I thought they must be trying to give me a subtle hint that it's time to close this pub down. And so, Brother DePriest, I just, just as obedient as anything, brought it very soon to a close because 
the music came, and I thought, and only to find out after church was I wasn't done, okay, I quit. But after church was over, they were just getting up there, and they were just going to, you know, do the, just the music working with the preacher type thing, and I closed it down because I thought they were trying to close, close me down, close the service down. So the next night, man, they could have got every musician up there, and I was going to preach because I just thought that's just what they did. But anyway, John 17 verse, John, not John, 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1. This is the last verse in all this. Look at this. He says, having therefore these promises. What promises are you talking about? Look at the last verses of chapter 6. Having therefore these promises. What promises are you talking about? Because God said, I dwell in you. That's a promise. God said, I'll walk in you. That's a promise. God said, I'll be your God. God said, I'll receive you. God said, I'll be a father to you. And therefore, he says, having therefore these promises that God's going to be in you, walk with you, be your father, be your God. He says, dearly beloved, let us cleanse. There we are again, folks. That word let, remember, you have something called your own will involved in all this. And he says, you need to let your will let cleanse yourself from all filthiness, look now, filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Flesh, body. Spirit, I think, is external, internal. Flesh and spirit. Because I just can't get up high. Can I stand over here? Because everybody's standing now. i got to see faces. Oh, that's great. Because we want to isolate this topic of holiness, separation, sanctification, all this, we want to do it just to the flesh, the external, many times. But there is also the spirit that needs to be separated. And we got to be just as careful with that. Now here's the problem. I might be mowing some grass that's already dead. Here's the problem. And I've discussed this with Bishop before. I wish sometimes it was as easy to call a person to attention about their spirit as it is to call them to attention about their flesh. Because we all got eyes and we can see, well, that's not right, bless God, da 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 but you know everybody's kind of in the balance was that a bad spirit or was that a right spirit is that pride uh huh but he says we need to cleanse ourselves from the filthiness of the body and of the spirit so we don't we, harboring pride listen harboring pride is just as wrong as taking yourself places that being a Christian you should never be found having a spirit of jealousy hear me today is just as wrong of yoking yourself with an unbeliever I don't know if God's empowered the pastor to do so but sometimes I really feel like those people who do all these spirit things kind of get off easy sometimes because you never have a talk about someone's pride problem usually. Don't ever have a talk about somebody's jealousy spirit. 
well, glory. But he says, whenever, whenever you do this, he said, perfecting holiness. In other words, making whole holiness, making complete holiness, making complete separation in the fear of God. This is it. I'm not going on anymore with this, folks. We might have something else real similar to it somewhere down the road, but not this. Operation separation. I'm glad he's made a difference. I'm glad he's made a notable difference. I wouldn't want to be called out and called to himself and somehow just be the same as I always was. What different is that? In word only? You know? Is it just, you know, did it just... Is it just a proclamation? Yeah. Or has there really been a change? Has there really been an alteration in our life, our spirit, our conversation? Let's bow our heads today. We'll come to a close here very quickly, but not without anybody feeling need. If you feel like you need to pray, you can pray where you're at in your seat. You can bow your heads. You can lift your hands. Hallelujah. Let's just talk to God right now. Lord Jesus. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.